Hello. Oh, hello. You called me, so why 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 is why is this a surprise? <laughs> uh, I'm I'm not surprised. I'm uh-huh. just excited to be chatting with you. Oh, that didn't sound convincing. Oh no. <laughs> well, I did mean it. I just sometimes when I am being sincere, it comes off as sarcasm. Mm. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, how how are you? Uh, I'm doing well. I'm doing well this fine Thursday morning. Uh, Thursday, June 13th morning. Uh, looking at 66% humidity. 68.5 degrees Fahrenheit inside. And let's see, what are we looking at? Oh, interesting. My little dealy bopper in... Uh, Mac OS Mojave doesn't have... Ah, it's 64 degrees outside. It's supposed to reach a high of 73. What about you? I, I heard California's kind of freaking out right now because it's been pretty hot and nobody has AC there or something. How mm. does this work? Yeah, uh, because there's the big old lie about how uh, our weather is always amazing. Uh, there's, there, most places don't have AC or central AC, uh, in Southern California, you are very likely to find places where there might be, uh, like a window unit or one of those little people, but get those like rolly ones that you, you Oh yeah. I think the, Rye, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Rye has a rolly, rolly poly. Yeah. And so that, that's the sitch, but, uh, we're, we're a little on the downswing from the height of that heat wave, uh, where we got up to, uh, 102, uh, by my office and, uh, it's a little, little warm. Now, fortunately, of course, there's central AC there. It's just when you walk outside, uh, of the building, uh, you're, you're just like blasted in an oven. Um, and, uh, you go to your car and your car has been in a parking lot where the sun is beating on it for several hours and you're like i'm gonna go get lunch now and you sit inside that hot metal box and hot. you uh just roast uh for the seven minutes it takes you to get anywhere to eat food and then drive back and in that you time go to one of those like raw restaurants where they have like raw lettuce wraps with raw things inside and then you can actually by the time you get back to your job you can have like a roast an oven roasted sandwich no, I don't think it would roast. I think it would just uh, get get like tepid, um, like maybe a little like warmish kind of. Uh, oh, sh- that sh- certainly bad. Not good for food safety. Uh, I, I wouldn't put potato salad in the car and just let it sit there for half an hour. That's that's for sure. Um, but yeah, that's that's that was that experience. Uh, fortunately, we're on the downswing from that. Uh, in in my apartment right now, it is seventy five degrees. Uh, which is a little warmish, um, but I was uh, trying to to back off on the electricity, so I wasn't running the uh, the AC full blast before this call. And I have uh, uh, what is it, forty two percent humidity in inside. Um, oh yeah, yeah, not bad humidity wise. Yeah, I'm fine. Everything's fine. Yeah, not mm-hmm. too low, not too high. That's pretty good. Yeah, uh, unfortunately, uh, last night my my little. Uh, hack my little oh no what I, I thought you said unfortunately and, and i knew what hack you were talking about so i was worried what happened oh the 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 logitech harmony yeah um 
Yeah, so for listeners who may not be familiar, I have a Logitech Harmony uh, that I do not use for entertainment purposes. Uh, it, it purely acts as an IR blaster to turn on and off my air conditioning unit uh, because it is one of those... Uh, you would call them a window unit, but it is mounted into the wall. Um, and uh, it, it can turn it on and off. It offers no other control. It has no idea what the status of the device is. Nothing. Uh, and sometimes uh, if you connect using the the app uh, from, let's say, your office Wi-Fi network uh, for some reason and turn on your AC, you'll arrive home and it did not turn on. And you'll be surprised. And you'll say to yourself, I thought I turned that on. But apparently, uh, it just shows as being on and something goes a little screwy uh, when I when I do it that way. Either that or it's just throwing away some of the commands every now and then, which is also cool. Or there was maybe a chair in the way or something, but it didn't appear to be. So uh, last night I arrived home to, uh, I think it was 85 in the apartment oh. uh, and just, just cranked cranked the ac uh so that uh, i could get it down to a reasonable temperature by the time i talked to dan and i was still roasting because uh for that you, when you when you podcast it is not ideal to have uh one of the loudest air conditioners in the world on next to uh your recording setup so that's that's nice that that's really frustrating mm. <sighs> but <sighs> the good news is uh since last we recorded uh, we, we had, we had my existential crisis over my router. Um, yeah. How's that going? Yeah. So I got a new router, hence <gasps> being able to do this stuff. Um, it, I got it that same day. Uh, cause I, I just, well, I thought the reason it wasn't working last time was because you had an internet issue or something. And so it wasn't like it was a what was it? A, oh, yeah. No. Okay. Nope. I remember now. Yeah, you needed to get a new router. For some reason, in my mind, it was like a temporary thing where you didn't necessarily need to get a new one. But now I remember your, <laughs> your, your router went kaput. That's right. Yeah, the the airport extreme uh, base station from 2000 extreme. I, I didn't name it. Uh, the from 2008, uh, finally kicked the bucket. And it, you know, almost made it a full 11 years from the purchase, uh, and uh, I needed something immediately. Uh, the last episode was recorded on my old computer, uh, which has an Ethernet port. So I made a shopping list. One, one of those stupid Belkin uh, uh, dongly things, adapters, um, was necessary uh, for me for the future. And two, uh, I needed a new wireless router. And the wireless router thing was an obstacle, because... Uh, I, f- I find all of the, the re- modern router technology that gets heavily recommended to be uh, somewhat hideous uh, or, or to have uh, trade-offs that I'm not happy about uh, in terms of the, the, the companies that own other things and whatever. So uh, also I have a small apartment, so I don't need the complexity or expense of a mesh network. And I think that was one of the things I kept coming back to uh, with things like uh the the linksys velop which is the only router apple sells um, really yes if you go to an apple store you look online whatever uh there's two things you can buy a linksys velop three pack and a linksys velop by itself the linksys mm. velop by itself is 179 dollars um 
I think that's going to change soon because of, I, I need this is a little bit off topic, but is on topic sort of. Anyway, uh, going to change soon because Apple is partnering with uh, some different Wi-Fi router companies to offer HomeKit enabled routers. So I think that uh, I wouldn't be surprised if we start to see Apple selling other devices in their stores. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah. And uh, that announcement, of course, came uh, mere days after the purchase of my <laughs> my router, uh, which is from a company that has not announced that they're working with Apple. Oh, good. But uh, it could be a situation where they do wind up announcing. Uh, we I just don't know. Uh, and who could I can I don't really know if I right. care. Not necessarily need it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but the the router situation, I didn't want one of these uh, ugly, hideous things. And if you go to the wire cutter, they only recommend the ugly, hideous ones. Uh, because you got your, your Netgear Nighthawk, um, Ugh. and it, it just looks so unesthetically pleasing in a living room, uh, unless you have some sort of alien battle station that you live in. Uh, it is not, it's not nice. Now they make one that looks even worse where there's six antennas that, uh, are foldable and adjustable from the main body of it. So it kind of looks like an upside down beetle, um, that is also just wow bad but uh the, the this one i got and i set it up uh because i didn't really have any other viable alternatives that i was happy with um the other only other thing i was thinking about was uh the netgear orbi again a mesh one that you but you could buy one unit by itself um i saw one of them in person at the best buy and it's basically the same size as this nighthawk only it's standing up and uh, covered in a, a weird plastic that uh, had obviously collected dust inside of the Best Buy, so it looked incredibly Ew. gross. And I was just like, you know, it's just going to collect that dust in my living room and look all weird, uh, so I don't really want that. And it's also it's much bigger in person than you think it is. Um, so I, I didn't want that one. And, and the reason why you have to get the big one, the big Orby... Um, is because that that's the only one that had the the four ethernet ports on the back um for mm-hmm. locally wired stuff which i uh need want etc um and because i don't want everything over wireless because uh, the routers happens to be right next to the entertainment center so there's a lot of stuff that you can just run over a cable and then you have a less congested network but uh, i went through the whole setup process netgear has this horrible ios app um for setting up things that every time you change anything it causes the router to go offline for like two minutes while it percolates that setting or whatever and then it'll come back on so you just get to stare at like a loading screen and if you try to leave the app to go do something else uh it, it interferes with the process so just just sit there and stare and it took 20 minutes to do this uh, I complained to the wire cutter about this recommendation, and I said, this cannot possibly be the good router. Like, this is crazy. We need something with better ease of use. Like, this is nothing like when I bought an airport. And wire cutter wrote back and said, maybe you should get one of the mesh networks, like the Netgear Orbi. Uh. And, I said, <laughs> and I said, literally the same company. Like, how how could it'd be that much better. Like I, I just have a hard time believing that I would return this and get uh, a better experience, but whatever you guys, you, you do you. Um, but, uh, that's the end of that. And of course you had mentioned the, the Wi-Fi router, uh, news, uh, which had happened at WWDC. There weren't a lot of details about 
the implementation and what models and time frame we're talking about on when that's happening. But it was frustrating to see that uh, I had just recently purchased something that was not compatible. Uh, and uh, I don't know where it's going to go, but I wonder if it's kind of like CarPlay where it's like, we're announcing CarPlay and it's supported by all these auto manufacturers and then nothing really shipped uh, <laughs> for like years and years. Uh, and then, then you finally saw them everywhere. So that may be the case where it's announced now and maybe the partnership will slowly trickle out to stuff finally shipping soon or yeah. more details or something. But uh, WWDC was interesting. It's It feels like it was forever ago, even though we've never talked about it on this show. It does feel like it was forever ago. Um, it, it happened, but people are still uh, very much talking about it, very much excited about it, and very much... I think mostly bullish about it. It's it's been exciting, and I wanted to to kick things off in that discussion uh, by saying that friend of the show uh, Jason Snell uh, <laughs> did go ahead and call you out on Twitter uh, as you asked yeah. because you had what was it you predicted. So I want to get my dumb prediction in now, and then people can send me this clip later. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was uh, my and... my dumb prediction was that uh, because of the the styling of the invitations that the marzipan framework thing would be named neon that they would neon. Ne- uh, that they would not ship something named marzipan that that I couldn't picture Phil Schiller out there on stage saying that they were shipping marzipan. Now, of course, <laughs> Phil Schiller was not at the presentation at all, uh, but uh, they. They didn't name it Marzipan, they, but they they did not call it Neon. They called it Catalyst, um, and uh, apparently that was a, a a late change. It looks like because there's apparently a lot of the developer documentation that's been circulated that calls it Marzipan, um, and does not mention Catalyst in the in the in the, uh, the 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 like help docs and things that have circulated. So it's it's curious that I don't know what's going on there, uh, but. Catalyst is fine. I, I think Marzipan would have been a silly name. Yeah, yeah. I, Marzipan doesn't make sense. Marzipan um, for for doing this. I don't know. I, I like. I'm curious what the internal decision. Why that was the the thing that they went with. Um, and I have not done any study into that, but I wouldn't be surprised if there's some very nerdy thing, uh, depending on like maybe how it's made or the etymology of the word or something like that. And I hope that that's the case because I tend to get really nerdy about naming things or if, like my dog has this whole story. One of my dogs, the other one I, I adopted and she already had her name, but Henry, I named him. And there's a whole story behind that. And like my different devices uh, have names that have reasoning behind that. And so I kind of do love code names and, you know, f- actual names that they go with in the end. Um, and Catalyst, yeah, it it works. Um, it makes sense. <laughs> it's kind of, that one's a little on the nose, I guess. And so I'm not as interested in it. But yeah, you did guess that it was not going to be called Marzipan. Um, so you get you get partial credit. And uh, partial credit's better than no credit. I feel like that's overly generous. Um, for Well, Joe, yeah. what's my middle name? Overly generous. <laughs> 
<laughs> you My, didn't know that, but now like you know. Like an overly generous sergeant. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so you get you get partial credit in my heart, at least. And uh, the listeners out there, I guess, can can be upset with me if they feel you don't deserve it. But I, yeah, I mean, you were right that Phil Schiller was not going to take the stage and he was not going to call it marzipan. Uh, mm-hmm. So frankly, you get two out of the three <laughs> points. <laughs> That's a stretch. Uh, but the... Uh... The other stuff to come out of this uh, was, was packed full of stuff, um, which doesn't always happen. Uh, I feel like sometimes it's not packed full of stuff. But the the, the brief summary, um, glossing over a lot of stuff, is uh, better watch stuff. Um, <laughs> the uh, the the you you get the, the 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 pride band, the new pride band announced. Mm-hmm. Um, they had the pride watch face update that happened earlier. Uh, but this was the announcement of the band actually shipping. Um, I don't know if they, do they still not reveal what percentage goes to LGBT, uh, uh, charities and which charities? No, it's just, uh, a portion of the proceeds go to, and in fact, I will, um, while you're talking, summarizing, I'll go ahead and go find what the actual wording is. But uh, yeah, they they don't say what portion of the proceeds. And I imagine it's on par with uh, with product red devices, if if not less than that, which I can't remember if that one actually has an official number either. So yeah, yeah. not we don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I mean, Apple does support a lot of causes etc and they uh, participate in the in pride um marches in austin and san francisco etc but uh i i I think uh it would be nice if they articulated uh something about it uh i would kind of like one because um the one i have is the buckley one Mm -hmm. and this one is a sport loopy one Mm -hmm. um but at the same time I'm having a hard time convincing myself that I need to give Apple eighty dollars, uh, only with some of it going to a LGBT cause somewhere, um, in total, eighty dollars in total because two two bands. Um, oh, I was like, be... I was trying to do that calculation in my no. head, and I'm like, man, he's got some really expensive shipping, even though he's in California. <laughs> Now, it, for some reason, Apple's site is loading incredibly slowly for me, so I can't get to the stupid bands page. Don't know mm, why that's going on. That's fine. Um, no, but the it's not important. The uh, the, but uh, the the uh, after that, we got uh some stuff about uh the the uh Catalyst stuff for bringing iPad apps to the Mac, but then there was also Swift UI, which is going to be the new way of kind of like setting up something that is more declarative that's more like here's like what this does it's drag and drop like uh this is the thing and you push that and it does the thing etc um and i i think looking at it it made a lot of sense uh if you are familiar with any form of web development um that you know this is making that do that and that is making that do that it just seems to make a lot more sense that way having said that um, I don't think it means that I will be developing any applications in the near future, but, uh, it doesn't seem to be that simple, but it, it certainly seems yeah. like it could be simple enough that it would, uh, take the edge off for developers and, um, help them target 
multiple uh, platforms that Apple um, that Apple has. Um, it makes me excited because, um, like, I, I saw some people kind of tweeting about this, and it is how I feel as well. Uh, certainly having that feeling of, oh, I want to learn how to code with Swift, and then every year not making that happen. And I can remember the hardest part for me when I was working on little apps and things like that was the uh, interface building stuff. And that was always complicated. And so this reminds me of CSS, like CSS and HTML working together to build a website. And I have experience there more than anywhere else in terms of coding. And so seeing this, it was like super exciting for me because it actually makes sense in my head. It's how I would, it's how I think about building something. So when, you know, everybody in the the audience was getting excited about it, I, I felt that for sure because it did remind me of, of something that I had more familiarity with. Yeah. And, uh, I feel the the same way. Um, and then uh, in addition to that, there was this other thing called Combine. Um, combine, sorry. Yeah, I always said Combine too. Every time I've read that, I've said that instead of <laughs> Combine. Well, I think it's because if it was lowercase, I would say Combine. But because it's uppercase... I say combine, but um, well, I, I have don't an know. excuse as a mid as a country midwesterner. Of course, <laughs> I'm going to say combine before I'm going to say combine. Mm. Yeah, uh, here's what it says: Apple is proud to support LGBTQ advocacy organizations working to bring about positive change, and this year they've included them, including GLSEN, P Flag, the Trevor Project, Gender Spectrum, the National Center for Transgender Equality, and In Circle in the U.S. and ILGA internationally. A portion of the proceeds from Pride Edition band sales will benefit their important efforts. So it's like it gets more detail every year. Next year we're going to learn what the percentage is. Yeah. It's between one and ninety-seven percent, <laughs> <laughs> somewhere in there. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's not as it, it's. I, I'm not gonna like hit them up and say, say that they're as craven and as cynical as some of the other people who have been slapping some rainbows on stuff this year. Oh right. Uh, but uh, but anywho. Um, the uh, the Mac OS stuff, it's going to be called Catalina, and uh, that's nice because I don't know if a lot of people know that it's an island. Uh, and the island is actually Santa Catalina. Um, so oh. uh, it's it's funny to, to think, like, here's this thing you know, that, that, that Santa, Santa Catalina, um, but they just call it Catalina. So that's fine. Huh. I didn't know that, yeah. I mean, colloquially... People refer to it as Catalina. They don't call it Santa Catalina. But, oh, um, so it's that's them kind of going. You know, we know how this is. We're we're part mm-hmm. of a gang. Yeah, uh, and I've been to Catalina. Um, it's it's a it's a neat little island. Uh, that's kind of weird, but uh, you, you take a ferry boat or a helicopter over to it. Ooh, mm-hmm. a little ferry boat, you say? Yes, and uh, I had a little day trip over there. Uh, it's got a weird town called Avalon, which is sort of a mix of like Mediterranean and Cape Cod. Um, so, so you get this bizarre mishmash of like the coast of Maine with Positano. So it's, it's very, it's very unique. Uh, but uh, it's, it's, it's a, it's an interesting choice for them and uh, certainly different from all the rocks and sand they've been picking recently. Uh, 
not a huge fan of the default wallpaper, which is just sort of like a pointy island thing, because I don't know if that really describes much of why you would go there, but uh, that's 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 interesting. I wonder. Do you think there's there are uh, Apple tourists, um, Apple fan tourists who are just like I need to go to to every all the, all the place names. <laughs> oh wow, um, probably there's you know in in the in the large group that encompasses anyone who uses macOS. It's not a huge group, but it's a large group. There's got to be at least one person who's like, oh yeah, I got to go to all these places, especially if you live in California. Mm-hmm. Um, why not? Yeah, why not? Uh, but I mean, I'm not, I don't want to go to Mojave, um, to, to like roast in a desert. <laughs> right. You're already doing that in mm-hmm. your own car. But the, whatever it was, the, the stuff, uh, we got iPhone updates of things, things, things are going to happen. <laughs> and you got the I- iOS 13 and mm-hmm. iPad OS. They're, they're split into two separate groups now. Um, magical happenings for just the iPad and magical happenings for the rest of the iOS devices, which still includes the iPod touch. It's, it's a really weird choice. Uh, I, not really uh, much, uh, TVOS wise. Well, no, there was, uh, I, I thought, uh, uh, it was actually a pretty interesting announcement that they're going to have the multiple user support because I've been oh, that's right. yeah. saying I've that been they need to, about that. they need to do that for, they have needed to do that for a long time because, um, if you're in, in, in a, in an Apple household, everybody has their own Apple account, uh, and everybody has it configured up on their iPhone a certain way. And I want to see how that interacts with this multiple user model because it was not immediately clear to me how it knows what services you qualify for or signed into uh, mm. and uh, how it works with something like a family uh, family sharing uh, uh, situation. Because let's say that you are uh, the head of the household and you need to change your HBO subscription. Uh, now if you change that, does that change trickle down to everyone else in your household? Are you really asking me? Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. Well, but see, that's the thing. It was not entirely clear to me, like from a management point of view, how the multiple users works. And it's also not clear to me if... Hi, I'm dad. I'm changing (laughs) my HBO subscription. Does it affect little Sally? Does it affect little Jimbo? Does it affect my husband ken who knows yeah but we we all have our own apple tv tvos accounts and i totally know all of those words i didn't just buy this black thing that apple said i should buy and definitely know what the software on it is called and how all the features work because i'm dad <laughs> uh well at least you didn't you didn't say that it was the tv daddy and then went on a different <laughs> tangent <laughs> but uh the yeah, the, 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 that that's, uh, I don't know. It, it's just, it was one of those things where it's, it, it is impressive that they said it, but at the same time, it's like, I really would like to see the details on the, mm-hmm. the, how this functions because uh, I we didn't see a demonstration of it in practice. Uh, and uh, I would, I would like to find that out. Like also, like if you're in a household where you have Netflix profiles um, and you have multiple uh iPhone accounts, et cetera, uh, multiple Apple accounts. Uh, now you go to the TV. If you ask for something with universal search with Siri or uh, 
whatever for something that's a Netflix title. You ever mm-hmm. have that experience where it just kicks you to the profile selection screen? Uh, no. Profile, wait, profile selection screen. Uh, in, oh, oh in Netflix. for Netflix. Okay. Yeah. I was like, um, what do you mean? Uh, no, I don't think, I don't think I've had that happen, but I don't often use, like if I'm, if I'm searching for Netflix, I, I don't really use the, the wide Siri search deal. I don't, I don't use many of those features. So I haven't had that happen enough to where that's something that would come up. Um, but I bet if I did it more, I'm sure, I'm sure I would have that issue. Yeah. I and, mean, it's not that much of a hassle. It, it just, it disrupts the flow. So right, I'd be curious exactly. if they, uh, can somehow link those things and you just be like, yeah, so you're signed in as you, and this is your Netflix profile. So I'm just going to take you to it. Whereas if you, uh, and then the other person in your household has their Netflix profile and their Apple, uh, ID and they are paired up too. Like, I don't know if there's the ability to do something like that. Um, cause that would be helpful, but again, not articulated. So I, w- I want to find out some more. And now the public beta is supposed to be out, uh, end of the month. I think Tim Cook said for all of yeah, these or beginning of, of J- July. Yeah, yeah. Something like that. Well, and here's the, th- <laughs> here's the annoying thing. So you know how I call my <laughs> Apple TV, my Netflix box, yeah. Um, well, I I have automatic um, beta like downloads for my TVs because I like it's if there are devices that I don't want to have issues, it's obviously like my iPhone and my Mac are the two things. Like my iPad, I will run betas on, but my Mac, I do my work on, and my iPhone is the thing that I take with me, and so those ones, like I never would let update automatically. But my TVs, there's not much to them. You tap and you tap and then you're watching something. And so one would think that there wouldn't be too many bugs uh, that you'd have to worry about. Well, uh, my TVs updated to the, you know, new beta for TV OS. And uh, whenever I go to launch Netflix, um, I can launch it, but then you, I have to log in. And when I go to log in, it crashes the app. So oh. right now I can't watch Netflix on my Apple TV. And remember, you can't airplay to, you can't airplay Netflix to an Apple TV because Netflix is a turd about that. So mm. I have no way of watching Netflix on my Apple TVs. Um, luckily I do most of my media watching on my ipad anyway so it's not a huge deal but anytime i'm like with other people and wanting to watch something i can't do it because of the stupid bug that's causing netflix to crash on sign in Uh, have you tried deleting the netflix app and downloading it again to see if there's something like weird cached i haven't deleted it yet that might be something that i do the one thing that i had done um troubleshooting wise was to uh i had it like it's set it's set up so that when my tv goes to a text field then i get that little buzz on my phone that's like hey you can type in your password here and i thought that's what was causing it to crash because i was using like one password on my phone to automatically log into netflix so i typed it typed out the long but password onto my <laughs> Apple TV, hoping that that would fix it, and that didn't. So yeah, I guess I'll have to try uh, killing it and and seeing if that helps. 
Yeah, because uh, uh, there's nothing that you need stored inside the application itself. Uh, right. If you're already signed out, it doesn't. There's certainly nothing of value that you'll lose. Uh, but the uh, I would give that a shot. Uh, yeah, I, but I, I also recklessly install Apple TV updates because I figure, what's the worst that can happen? Uh, and apparently you've outlined one of the, the bad scenarios. <laughs> <laughs> yes, there's the there's the worst. <laughs> yeah, the, uh, and then we had uh, news for uh, iPad OS getting all those different multitasking whatever things and support for... Uh, storage um from devices uh that are plugged in which has not existed prior to this uh yeah you can plug in a usb device and access that or if you've got a server um via smb then you can access that as well um which people are excited about with with good reason um it also supports What's what they're calling sidecar, which will basically let you use your iPad as an external display for your um, Mac, which is pretty neat. Um, there was a company, or there is a company that there are a few different apps and actual like physical devices that work with the uh, iPad to do that, and so Apple has taken it internal. Um, as well, and they are doing it too. So uh, that will be interesting um, to see to see how that works. Um, I did want to go in. Um, TVOS 13 improves the user experience of apps that manage their own user-specific preferences by allowing them to map Apple TV user accounts to app-specific user preferences. For example, instead of prompting the user to select an app-specific profile, your app can select the appropriate user profile automatically. So what it sounds like is, and I don't know if Netflix is going to do this because Netflix and Apple don't play well together, but if you have an app like H well, like Hulu, for example, where you can set up different user accounts, then Hulu's developers can set it up to look for the um, the framework that that says, "Hey, this is the current user account," and then it will automatically switch the user account within individual apps. So it sounds like it's going to be on developers to add that feature to their own apps to do the switching. As far as subscriptions go, I don't know about that. So that's still uh, question mark, question mark. But that's interesting, sort of whose side it's on to make that part work. Um, it's just going to require an update to say, okay, I'm looking to see who's logged in currently on TVOS, and then I will automatically make that decision for myself to be on this profile. Uh, I didn't uh, see that news uh circulate uh after the the the, the thing because they just very quickly breezed through it uh on stage. yeah and this is me digging into uh developer documentation mm-hmm. to to find that so uh, certainly not a thing yeah i i like that i like that and i you know i never want to say anything's easy because nothing's easy but um essentially you just say uh your the app just needs some new lines of code so that it says, hey, get the current user identifier property. And then it finds that current user identifier. And then it changes the own apps uh, profile to match that. So yeah, pretty neat. Yeah. And 
what what else for iPad OS? It was mainly multitasking and oh yeah, there's a new selection, copy paste behaviors and undos and stuff. Um, yeah. My, my main gripe is that I feel like they have overloaded uh, the number of three finger gestures that you can perform on the <laughs> iPad. Uh, I, I I find it frankly ridiculous, um, especially when you're watching somebody try to demo it because it's just like in this th- three finger swipe does this, and then if you do this three finger thing over here, then it does that. And it's like, come on, come on, you guys! Like it's not obvious to anyone. Um, and I know it's for power users uh, and that you don't need these gestures, but I have to feel like, uh, but I but I do feel like there's a gap. Um, there where we're not addressing the discoverability issues behind uh, stuff that's been added. Um, and you often, at least I have found myself in a situation where I have triggered something and not known what I did. Um, especially when oh, you're all the time. Yeah. When you're manipulating a big glass rectangle with your fingers, um, then, you know, having hidden hand gestures that do certain things, you're, you're going to accidentally trigger something. Um, but I'm not going to be greatly impacted by the because I barely use the iPad that I have. So uh, that's not as big of a deal for me, but uh, all the the power users seem excited about it. And people are excited about uh, the accessibility addition of uh, uh, pointer support for mouse. And uh, I I think I saw Steve Trouton Smith got it working with a Wacom tablet that he plugged in via a wire. (laughs) What? Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. It it doesn't work with uh, touchpads, though, apparently, I guess. It's weird. I don't know. It's it's an interesting situation for them to be in. I feel like Apple is experimenting with what they would like to be doing um, in that regard. But uh, I'm interested to see where they go with it. I, I think it's it's pretty annoying um, in terms of the keyboard options that they, they have or the third-party options that exist, too. Uh, I don't want to go from using my fingers down on a keyboard up to the screen and then back down again. Yeah, um, I'd, I'd like something where I can keep my hands on the same plane, so it would be nice if you had something like a touchpad. Uh, I don't know if that's around the corner and coming at some point, but uh, you know, maybe next year, but... Uh, it it seems like that would be the place the way to go with something like that. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I wanted to talk to you about, because this was something that we had talked about ages ago when I put a uh, fake chair into my dining room <laughs> and my dogs were walking around it, um, is ARKit 3 brings people occlusion. Um, so now people can walk in front of well, in theory, virtual content that's placed in in an AR kit scene. So can you explain, I mean, perhaps for you and now for me, because of what you taught me, occlusion is a word that we know well, but what is like occlusion in terms of, especially in like visual stuff? What what does that mean in terms of AR kit? Occlusion means that something is basically... uh covering something else is hiding something else it's in it's uh used to describe the the ways that either light or visibility um is obstructed uh so that you can uh for a technology that used to be used was called ambient occlusion um where you could simulate uh the sort of soft uh, overcast lighting that exists in the world by uh 
sort of doing a little ray trace to see the distance between two objects and whether or not that distance was great enough that uh, it was not occluded. Um, and so that would give you like a little dark edge where like a, a, a box sat on a table. Um, but that is occluding light. Now, when you're talking about occluding from camera or queuing from view, um, like if uh, I, if in that demo um, that they showed, that horrible demo, um, they they always have <laughs> these really bad demonstrations of AR that, that just drive me bonkers. But the 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 lady uh, who was on stage uh, was walking around, and she is occluding the virtual environment behind her in the view that he has on his uh, uh, iPad. And when she walks, uh, but there's de- there's stuff in depth that can be in front of her still. Um, so you just have to have a very large living room so you can do all this, but uh, that's <laughs> this basically lets you layer up things in depth um, so that you can have something in front of something else uh, and it blocks the other thing that's behind it. Yeah. Where- so before, when I had my when I had the chair uh, on the floor in my uh, dining room in AR, when Henry walked past the chair, he always had to be behind it. The it would show the 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 chair was layered in front of him, so it was never as if he could walk in front of the legs. With this new occlusion feature, AR kit gets smarter, and so it sort of knows the the distance from you or distance from the screen that it's pretending the chair is in that it's rendering the chair and so if henry as he's walking across is in a as is at a distance from the screen that is in front of where you've placed your chair then in theory he should be able to walk across the screen and it looks as if he's walking in front of the chair and layered over the top of it and if he were to walk at a distance that's farther than where the chair is then that's whenever he the chair would be layered over the top of him as he's walking past it so mm-hmm. it just makes it more realistic again in theory because all of these features as we see with the demos and stuff like that this is all still so so it's i don't know i've i've yet to see anything that truly wows me despite the fact that i am genuinely excited i've been i feel like i don't know it's one of those things where i'm like i've been saying this for so long and i want people to know like i i've been so excited about this and it's true that i have wanted minecraft in my living room uh, since I, you know, knew about augmented reality and what it could be. So it's not the greatest, but for me, that's one instance where I think I could have a lot of fun. Um, except for the part where they dropped her as a small person into the actual scene. I'm not interested in that part. I just want to play <laughs> Minecraft on my table in virtual space. I think that seems fun on your AR table. Um, my AR table. I'm going to buy a special table with little anchor points on each <laughs> edge of it, and that'll be my special Minecraft table. And you mm-hmm. can't put in, you can't use, can't even use coasters with drinks on it. It's only for AR. Mm. Yeah. Uh, to to uh, also further go on on the, the occlusion thing, what Apple's doing uh, is basically they're generating a depth map. Um, from the the camera data just like they do when they do their fake blurry stuff uh where they're trying to estimate distances and then they can use that estimated distance with the 
3D world distance in order to, to judge what should be and should not be included. Um, and in visual effects, you have stuff like Z merge and stuff like that, where you can take a rendered Z depth pass and then try to like mix it with two different renders that both have Z depth passes. Um, and, uh, stuff like that, where it's saying, Hey, this, this is the depth. So this is the, uh, this is the depth. So this is whether or not it should be in front of or behind something. Um, and it's, it's an interesting approach. I am disappointed that it is so jagged around the edges. Um, I assume that's the low resolution of the depth map, but they don't seem to be doing any sort of like, I don't know, uh, computer assisted, uh, learning stuff for the edges to determine like, should this be a smooth edge because it's her leg or should this be a series of stepped rectangles? Because that's, that's what's in the depth map. But it's like, you should just smooth that out. Uh, would not, not pass muster. And it's also uh, jittery, uh, in terms of tracking. Um, yeah. so she's like got a little, uh, bouncy twitchy motion on her at all times. Um, and it's, it's one of those things where, I I I think that it's interesting that they can do this level in real time, but I don't think it's to the level where it is in, in, going to deliver something that is enjoyable for someone to use real time. I would be interested, uh, and I've said this in the past, to see if anyone can harness the real time tools that Apple is uh, providing to to generate something that is not real time. Um, or can be refined afterwards. So like with the occlusion example, it would be really super interesting if somebody could uh, get all that occlusion data, um, get all the depth maps and everything, and then uh, go back and clean it all up uh, and clean up the tracking and stuff afterwards. Um, and that would just give you a really good starting point for things to, to, to visualize uh, where, where you can, where you can be when you're like in a, in a production process. So, I don't know. I, I, I am always consistently underwhelmed by AR kit because I don't see it as the products that they demonstrate, but I'm always impressed by the effort that's gone into making something that uh, would be difficult to do uh, to that level um, at that speed uh, it, it, with the tool sets that people use for post-production. So uh, I, I, I would like them to uh consider at some point that maybe maybe just maybe uh these these tools could be used in a, in a different area and maybe that's something for third-party developers to harness who knows <sighs> hmm. 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 um i'm trying to think of uh, other things that are worth discussing um monitor stands Monitor. Oh my God. <laughs> oh brother. Uh, oh boy. Um, yeah. So Apple has come out with a, has announced along with the, the, the new Mac pro, which, you know, people who have a reason to own this, uh, computer are reasonably excited about. Um, it's very powerful. It's very customizable and it's got boatloads of power upon power upon power. Um, and it is, not a product for everyone, which it's not meant to be. So cool, whatever. But um, they've also come out with a monitor that is meant to... And you would know more about this than I do. Um, 
I didn't know that there was this whole market of $30,000 monitors that are supposed to provide perfect, accurate color, um, sort of like those really expensive speakers that you have in a studio to uh, listen back at perfect quality uh, before you, you know, send out uh, Alicia Keys' next single. Um, can you tell me more? I don't know anything about this. This whole like, what is the thirty thousand dollar? Like, what's the difference between a fifteen, twenty, thirty thousand dollar monitor versus uh, a four K Dell monitor that I would buy that has color calibration and all that stuff? Okay, um, so Apple is drawing the comparison between their monitor and these expensive reference monitors. A reference monitor uh, is something that's not just for color, uh, color accuracy, but also uh, for brightness. Because uh, you're in, in this day and age, you are mastering content for HDR, um, for a high dynamic range. Not HDR-like photos that have different exposures that are put together to show a dynamic range, but uh, a think of it like a single photo that uh, has the stuff that's super bright and the stuff that's super dark and you can actually see it on the monitor like you could in real life as opposed to how it comes off on most monitors where the bright part will be clamped um, and the dark part will drop off to nothingness and also be kind of fuzzy gray because of the backlight Uh, so they're, they're trying to make a monitor that that can show you uh, this this dynamic range the the brightest brights darkest darks in addition to color and many of these reference monitors uh, cannot work at these uh, brightness levels for a long period of time have some other drawbacks uh, have typically have a, a 4k resolution now Apple said that like it's a bad thing and mm-hmm. I would I would like to to just clarify a little bit a reference monitor, ideally is showing you the best version of what it is that you can output. So if you are working on a show that is 4K, uh, you should have a monitor somewhere in your pipeline that can show you one-to-one what that 4K image is. Uh, And that's important because if you are subsampling and scaling and whatever, uh, your, your stuff on the monitor you're making all these decisions on, uh, and then it gets shipped out and shown to people on their TVs uh, that are going to show it one to one. Then you want to know like what's going on in terms of that that uh, filtering that's occurring for scaling. So you don't want to do that. You want it to be one to one. So it's not as much of a dig uh, when they said 4K uh, that some of these reference monitors are only 4K. Now for um, a computer, you want a high pixel density so that you get nice, sharp, clear text when you're doing stuff. It doesn't need to be one-to-one. Uh, so 6K is apparently ideal for 32 inches, um, uh, which is the the width, uh, the width sorry the diagonal uh, uh, distance on the display. Now, I, I think that's fine. I don't have any issues with that. Um, it, you can watch your 4K content one-to-one. It'll just float in the middle in black all around, uh, I guess. But 
that's still something that you can do, uh, and you still get all the advantages of having an interface. Uh, one thing when the 5K, 5K iMac came out is like the Apple was like, oh, look, all this Final Cut interfaces around the side, and you still have a full 4K image in the middle. Ah! <laughs> and, <laughs> so you can do that, that kind of thing, too. Uh, and Apple touted that uh, lowering the price of the reference monitor uh, uh, to this level means that uh, you can more widely distribute uh, these monitors across your production pipeline. Um, Whereas in the past, uh, you might have like one or two of these reference monitors um, floating around there, and then everybody else uh, would have like regular other monitors off to the side. Uh, That is not a convincing argument for I would say ninety nine point nine 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 percent of the people who would like to buy an Apple monitor right now, um, the the goals that Apple has outlined for itself in in terms of this monitor uh, don't match up necessarily with the the needs of uh, most people. It is neat uh, and it is indeed less expensive than many alternatives but uh it is not uh a cost savings if you were not in this market (laughs) so it's a little diff it's a it's a very difficult argument to make uh that that people should be excited about this most people should be excited about this and i don't think most people should and i'm relatively certain that no one should purchase this with very few exceptions but I feel the same way about the Mac Pro. Um, I feel like very few people should purchase that. It's just that there's an even smaller subset of people <laughs> that should purchase this display. Agreed. Uh, and it doesn't seem to be, again, sitting well with people because uh, developers would like a nice big display with sharp, clear text. Uh, it doesn't need the level of color accuracy or the level of dynamic range that this monitor has. Um, it doesn't need to operate at, uh, uh, whatever it is, uh, 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 12, what was it? 1200 nits or something. It doesn't need to <laughs> yeah, 1200 nits at max, a uh, yeah. thousand nits always. It doesn't, it, it apparently, there, you know, that's, that's a little much for what the developer needs are. And so developers are all, you know, grumpy because this is, this is my conference and this should be a monitor for me. <laughs> I think this would have gone over better had Apple unveiled this at uh, the National Association of Broadcasters, NAB. Yes. Because honestly, that's their their target target with the Mac Pro and with this. Now, the Mac Pro can be used in other places. Obviously, there's the rack-mounted version, and you can use this for uh, scientific data processing and all this other stuff. Like, they, they... made it into much more of a Swiss Army knife than the uh, the previous generation had been. Um, it, it can adapt for multiple scenarios, uh, but it is very clearly targeted at the the workstation market that you would see uh, HP and Dell uh, workstations in in most places, uh, especially in like a visual effects setting. And uh, I don't think that this will replace most of those uh, HP and Dell workstations because it's still more expensive. But uh, it is certainly an option. 
So all the developers are sad because they wanted a, I don't know, $2,000 box that has cards and they wanted a $1,200 monitor. Um, but that's not what exists. Uh, and uh, I didn't really think that the Apple would make that and they haven't. Yeah. So, there. Well, and, and to be fair, I would say not everybody is is down on this uh, this pro this, this Mac pro. I think that really where the the negativity happened was most well I shouldn't say mostly, but from what I have seen personally, I've seen a lot of people pretty pumped about the Mac Pro and even saying like, hey, this might not be for me, but it's cool that Apple is making this, you know, super pro device, blah, 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 blah. And oh, for once they're actually listening to us and that's great, whatever. But when when Apple announced the cost of that monitor and then said, oh, and by the, by the way, let's go ahead and like stick a knife in, in you. The stand for the monitor is going to be $1,000. I <laughs> could not believe it when I, because watching that whole presentation, I'm like, this thing must cost a fortune. Yeah. And sure enough, so they, was... get, they get to that price at the end and they, they, they reveal that it does in fact cost a fortune. It, it, they're like, oh, it's a $5,000 monitor. And then very quickly, um, the, there's just like the briefest utterance of it. The, it goes up on the screen for I think less than like two seconds, and it's like <laughs> and this stand is nine ninety nine ninety nine. Blah, blah blah, and it's like wait wait hold up. <laughs> you said how much now? Um, <laughs> uh, and looking at the stand, uh, I I realized that it is an interesting piece of engineering in terms of the the metallurgy and uh tolerances and all this other stuff but there is no, no. way no no way it no. costs a thousand dollars no i don't i no. uh-uh it's a stand and yeah. in the press uh area it was shown by itself like in this beautiful on this beautiful table like in the middle of the table the only thing on the table like the gold apple watch of 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 your um, this mythical stand was just sitting there and I'm like, that doesn't make any, everybody's just going to go for the visa mount option or is it visa, whatever the, it's the, visa, but it's, but, uh, that, that, that table with the, the stand on it by itself was so that they could do an exploding AR demo, which Apple loves to do now. So everybody was huddled around looking at uh, oh. all the panel components floating in space, uh, and, but if oh, you take a neat. but if you take a photo, you're just gonna get the stand. Just see the table. So it's it's a it's a it was a huge self own on on them for that one. Uh, and uh, I, I, the visa amount doesn't really save you that much money because uh, it's still two hundred dollars. And I would like to point out that the visa amount um, is a basically a bracket uh, that you screw onto the back of your monitor. There is also no way that that costs two hundred dollars. No, no. Yeah. <laughs> That's why, like, I've purchased a third party. Went back whenever I used the uh, Thunderbolt display, um, the one that came out after the Cinema display, which was a thousand dollars. I used that bad boy, and um, I just bought a third party Visa mount adapter for it, and it did not cost anywhere near that price uh it's just that's just wild to me just wild yeah i my assumption 
and I don't have any real evidence for this, but my assumption is that uh, a lot of the profit margin on this display has been moved from the panel to the mount and to the stand uh, so that the panel would seem less expensive. Ah. I I think that was not the right move. No. Uh, just I, charge the full price. Yeah, I think what they should have done is just included the stand and charged the six thousand mm-hmm. dollars they want to charge. Um and it would have still seemed like a deal in reference in reference to the reference monitors. Um because those were still more expensive than six thousand dollars and they were uh and these Apple monitors outperformed them. So I mean it was almost a gasp. Uh, in the audience whenever they said the price of that and like it was it was a bad it was a bad moment it was not good and the energy in the room changed even from just watching the 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 live stream you could feel that change in the room and uh, Renee Richie he said that it came very close to booing <laughs> yeah um and so, yeah, I think that was a bad move. Well, I think there was also some confusion because people were like, oh, another stand? Like, you're going to buy, a, like, an extra, and then the extra costs the $1,000? Well, that seems high for an extra one, but surely there's one in the box. And it's right, like, like this, comes with a, this comes with a stand, right? Like, I'm not going to have to buy it and just, I don't know, tie it from, from the ceiling with a rope, right? <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it is absolutely absurd that they would sell it in this configuration. Uh, and... I have to assume that it, it was just a very misguided effort to make it seem less expensive, um, to to make people not blanch at the 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 overall price that they that Apple wants to charge for it. Uh, I'm sure that it's I'm sure I'm sure that uh, it's not as gougy as it is if you add it all up and then look at the profit margin, but uh, it seems like they have shifted some of that that margin to the to these accessory devices uh rather than just having it be a whole thing whole kit and caboodle uh and i i am just in just complete shock that they would uh, they would uh seriously consider marketing it like this because all of the press that i've seen has been incredibly negative about it because it is in it is so easy to mock a one thousand dollar stand this stand has no electronics doesn't do anything um it is it has a special swivel features and stuff to uh make sure that the uh monitor can only turn um in certain ways at certain times when the thing's fully extended so it won't accidentally like slam into the desk or anything and all, that kind of stuff but that's not like a sensor that's you know measuring whatever it it, it has all the special swivel components like it's a nice stand but it yeah. is it is it it is not a thousand dollars, and it's there was people are are people are just going to compare it to what you can get uh, for a thousand dollars, which is a complete monitor um, mm-hmm. from other people, uh, which is pretty wild because Apple does not offer any other external displays uh, in in a price range that uh, is compatible. Like let's going back to the needs of developers. Sharp, clear text, big screen, um, and some color accuracy, but it doesn't need to be completely color accurate. Uh, some, you know, brightness and clarity and whatever, but it doesn't need to be like 
12,000, uh, 1200 nits. Um, but it's, it's one of those things where, uh, they, they could, I suppose, just sell the iMac panel, um, as a thing by itself and provide that to people and they would be happy with that. But yeah, because that's what some people were kind of talking about is using an iMac in target display mode, but that's something that is not an option. Yeah. And it would be really nice if Apple just took the... Re- it's it's sort of like their, um, their Airport Extreme and Airport Extreme base station uh, offering where one has the hard drive in it and one doesn't. You just take the guts out and you have that nice panel in there. Uh, that would be nice. And I, I actually do think that that's something that I would consider doing is is rocking one of those those monitors because I was super excited about this monitor until I saw the price of it. Uh, and at which point it was like, oh, this is definitely not for me. And I felt like I was sort of reaching for it. And then Apple slapped my hand as I was going <laughs> for it and said, no. And I said, okay, I guess it's not for me. Um, and it would be nice to to have... I just... like The thing that I loved about the cinema display was that it was... It, it matched, <laughs> which is a thing that matters to me, as stupid as that sounds. I like that it matched uh, the rest of my stuff, but also that it integrated so well with like my Macs, um, my keyboard settings and things like that. And so adjusting the brightness uh, by hitting the buttons F1 and F2 would adjust the brightness of the screen and having those speakers built in and being able to plug in one uh, Thunderbolt cord and then be able to trust that the ports on the back of the display were truly going to work uh, with it was really nice. And I don't have, I'm not able to recreate that um, with the stuff that I have now. It's not as good uh, with, with what I have. Like those brightness things don't matter anymore because of the way that Mac OS handles or rather does not handle daisy chaining with, um, with the display port uh option it i've i have to run one monitor via hdmi and one monitor via display port into my macbook pro and so the colors are slightly different oh no uh which is just stupid and one of them does um what's that called one of them does night shift better than the other one does <laughs> even though it's the exact same monitor but because it's over two type two different types of display uh setting daily whatever protocol um then it's an issue and it would be so nice if i could just have that work and also sometimes like um, so I've got an Elgato Thunderbolt dock, and I plug in most of my stuff through that. Um, but sometimes my webcam, unless it's plugged directly into the Mac uh, USB, it won't turn on. And so I'll have issues whenever I have to do like Twit or some other show that requires video as well. And so then I have to unplug it and plug it directly into the MacBook Pro. And in my mind, I had, you know, I wanted to have the option to just plug one, uh, well, two, the, the power and then one cord into my MacBook Pro. And everything else, I didn't have to like go searching for the cords behind the desk, but that's just not possible. And that's because of of the way that I have things set up. And it would be so nice to just go, okay, 
I've got this display. It's got Thunderbolt ports on the back, and I can trust that everything that I plug into there, including my Ethernet, I could plug into my uh, Thunderbolt display at the time. Um, all plugs in back there. I plug in one cord, and the cord has a built-in MagSafe uh, connector on it, so I can also charge my Mac with that one cord. That was beautiful and wonderful and amazing. Give me that option again. It was so nice, and I will gladly spend the 1K that I spent to have that feature again. Uh, see, I think... This is my personal opinion, but I think that uh, Apple could sell that 5K panel that's inside the iMac uh, and, and uh, or the, the let's say the one that's inside the iMac Pro, um, which I think is slightly different because it has better P3 whatever, um, but they could sell that for, I don't know, $2,000, uh, make bank on profit off of that. Um, just because if you have something in that range, people would probably buy it and it would seem like such a deal compared to the other thing, uh, and give it the design language that matches the other stuff. Um, now I happen to find the new design language for the Mac pro pretty gross, but, uh, maybe it'll grow on me over time. Uh, the, the, the greateriness is, is strong. Uh, <laughs> the greateriness is strong with this one. Yeah, it, it is. Uh, especially when they were doing the, because de- it was weird that they did some of the demos before they unveiled what the display was, but you, you were obviously seeing the guy use the displays on the stage. So it was like, mm-hmm. uh, that's not a monitor you guys have ever talked about. <laughs> we're going to get to that. What's that you got there, Mr. Krabs? <laughs> yeah. But the, the, the monitor, um, it's just kind of unfortunate looking, uh, and very industrial, but, uh, it's, metal i guess so it's better than almost all of the other monitors people don't seem to like very much uh, and you had asked me earlier like what's the difference between this and a dell um a lot of people don't like having plastic uh flexi monitor things um they they don't enjoy that uh they they don't like the plastic matte uh finish on the screens uh they want they want yeah. that uh like laminated to the screen beauty that uh they expect oh, from apple products. that's right that's extra pricey if you mm-hmm. get what what apple does with the on-screen micro micro blastification <laughs> i i thought it was pretty hilarious when they announced the the one thousand dollars extra it costs for the the laser etched uh <laughs> yeah, that. screen um and because here's the thing anti-glare so good, so important to your process. A thousand extra dollars for anti glare. Oh my god! Uh, like stupid. Is it's it's? I, I just I don't understand. Like I really want to see. Like it would be uh, wonderful to see what the spreadsheet is on. Like okay, so this feature costs this, and we're gonna get this profit margin off of it. And like, <laughs> I'm under, I'm under no illusion that that uh apple makes profit on their devices they're oh they're right, a company right. that sells things they make money i just want to see how it's distributed because i i get the impression that it's unevenly distributed uh with these features and accessories that are being offered um, apple makes all of their money off of replacement siri remotes apple tvs and uh monitor stands <laughs> the rest everything else is sold at cost there you go yeah oh man and 
I, I've seen some conjecture that, oh, well, maybe Apple is going to announce a new display in the fall when they ship this. That'll be more developer-oriented, and I don't think so. I, I, I think that this is the display that Apple would like to sell. Um, I don't think there's going to be a cheaper display that's going to be announced this fall. I think that's it. Uh, this is this was the story that was told at the developer conference instead of NAB, um, and it's there. That's it. The end. Maybe. Maybe mm-hmm. you're right. Maybe you're right. Um, Maybe they'll introduce well, something cheaper next year, but I don't. Yes, think, yeah. I, don't I think, think for this, this year, year, I yeah, I agree with you there. I think for this year, it's done. And Jason, you can send us both an audio clipping um, if we <laughs> end up being wrong. Uh, but animal facts, animal facts. It's time for animal facts. But um, uh, I want to tell you all about the kakapo. Uh, which means night parrot or owl parrot. It is the Strigops habro, habroptilus is, is the scientific name. Strigops habroptilus. Um, it is being reported across the internet as fat, flightless kakapo. Um, for some reason, they are very interested in this animal's size. Uh, I, I guess it's because it's called the world's uh, fattest parrot, according to uh, several different uh, headlines. But this, um, it's, a, it's a species of large, flightless, nocturnal, ground-dwelling parrot. So not only is it, is it flightless and nocturnal, um, it, it also, it lives on the ground and makes its nest there on the ground, which I guess makes sense because it couldn't get up in the trees, but it's a pretty big old parrot and does look kind of more like an owl. Um, it's got a huge gray beak and just look it up. K A K A P O. But what's sad is that the animal is close to extinction. Um, it unfortunately it has been hit it's it's a new zealand bird and it's been hit with a fungal infection that is wiping out um these these beautiful huge bird creatures um it's killing them and so scientists are working to to try and save these sweet beasts um i mean they're i'm going to send you here a a link joe that we could probably include in the show notes but it's a video what a lovely link that looks um of the kakapo uh sort of chomping on some leaves and it's a really pretty bird it reminds me of like a jim henson creation um but we have to we have to be careful because these poor babes are getting hit with a fungal infection that um that are that are dying. And in fact, the bird that's in this video ended up passing away uh, due to the fungal infection. So I don't know, put out some good, good vibes for the Kakapo, uh, the New Zealand flightless ground dwelling parrot slash owl parrot slash other cool names that it has, um, because things are not going well for it right now. And that is your sad animal fact for this episode of unhelpful suggestions that was a bummer it is a bit of a bummer yeah um so yeah it kind of looks like you just sort of photoshopped an owl barn owl face onto a parrot um it's very interesting but uh what a weird bird i'd never heard of this one yeah neither had i this was my first time hearing about it as well 
There are 142 left alive. Oh, that's that's so sad. Yeah. The babies look more like Jim Henson characters uh, whenever they're babies. They look like they belong in the Dark Crystal for sure. Yeah, there's there's a sort of an unpleasant patchy grayness to the babies. <laughs> yes, yes, indeed. Just like humans. Uh, yeah, uh, but <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. A- any anyway, uh, that was that was that was our our, our uh, little bummer to end things on <laughs> here's your little bummer <laughs> uh, uh, can you adopt them can i name one of them little bummer oh little bummer how cute <laughs> little b <laughs> uh, well goodbye micah and goodbye uh, joe i'll talk to you next time when you have two two kakapo babies kakapo babies and two pro display xdrs with stands <laughs> on your desktop with the stands you know it <laughs> all right bye, bye.